Before I begin today's sermon, well, this is part of the sermon, I guess, but uh, I'm aware of uh, some of the controversy out in our our country these days uh, due to the decision concerning Roe v. Wade, and I'm not going to address that uh, today. Uh, maybe there'll be an appropriate time to do such a thing, but I would encourage all of us uh, to keep in mind when it comes to issues like these, uh, to remember what Paul said in Galatians. For the whole law summed up in a single commandment, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. If, however, you bite and devour one another, take care that you're not consumed by one another. And I invite us to remember uh, that the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, a couple of weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago, I spent a week at Camp Allen as a chaplain in residence. And many of you know Camp Allen is the diocesan camp and conference center located near Navasota. Uh, it has a youth camp. It has had a youth camp for decades. And over the last 20 or so years, Camp Allen has made large investments in developing the conference center, which is used by Episcopal churches, Episcopal ministries, and organizations of the diocese, as well as by corporate clients. Uh, family reunions are held there, and groups from other churches, from other denominations use it as well. Uh, the week I was there, there was a group, a large group of women who were doing needle pointing. Uh, they were there the entire week. They seemed to be having a good time needle pointing. And they gather there at Camp Allen four times a year. A good number of those who participate are Episcopalians, and if you are a needle pointer and uh, if like information about that group, I can probably put, point you in the right direction. But Camp Allen, before it was in, in Navasota, was located near on Trinity Bay, which is that bay between Anahuac, Baytown, and Webster. And when it was on Trinity Bay, two brothers by the last name of Sumners, uh, one named Charles, the other named Tom, worked there as young adults. And Charles went on to become a, an Episcopal priest and served at St. David's Episcopal Church in Austin for 37 years. And Tom, his brother, when also became an Episcopal priest and served as the rector of St. John the Divine in Houston for 32 years. And while working at Camp Allen, they carved a cross for Camp Allen there on the bay. And into the wood of the cross, which stood 15 or 20 feet tall, they carved the words of the gospel according to John. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Follow me. At some point before Camp Allen moved in 1977 from Trinity Bay to Navasota, that cross was blown down in a hurricane. And then in 1986, at the new location of Camp Allen, three men undertook to carve a replica of that cross and place it overlooking the lake of the youth camp uh, by Lake Goddard. There are were three, but now four youth camps at uh, Camp Allen, and Lake Goddard is the, is the lake in the middle of them. Uh, lake Goddard named after a suffragan bishop of the Diocese of Texas in the 1950s and 60s. And that cross that those three men built or made still stands there, and it has been reproduced to stand in other places around Camp Allen at the conference center and the camp. Uh, my, I've probably been to Camp Allen as the chaplain of residence, I think, 16 out of the last 18 years. And each year, my children, well, until, until recently, would accompany, accompany me and Terry. And we'd always take a picture at the next to the cross. And through the years, they've gone from <laughs> up. So it's a special place for me and my family. Now, I'm, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Follow me are comforting words. 
But there at Camp Allen, they are inscribed on a cross. And a cross is not a comfortable place to be. So in the context of the cross, these words uh, may confront us, perhaps scare us, and hopefully make us aware of the daunting challenge of what it means to really follow Jesus where Jesus calls us to go. The good thing is that Jesus doesn't call us to, call us to a place that he himself is unwilling to go. It is with determination that when the time comes for him to be taken up, as it says in Luke, uh, Jesus sets his face towards Jerusalem where he knows he will face rejection and death. Today, in the Gospel according to Luke, it's the pivot point upon which Jesus turns to Jerusalem to begin his journey there to face rejection and death and also his resurrection and ascension. And along the way, while in Samaria, the Samaritans that live there uh, reject Jesus' mission. The Samaritans related to the people of the old kingdom of Israel and were usually regarded with hostility by Jews, which might be why James and John react so violently when a rain down fire upon them. But Jesus really doesn't have time for James and John's shenanigans, rebukes them, and just keeps going on the way. And then we have a couple of people who try to respond to Jesus in his message of the kingdom's nearness. We have uh, the one who says, I want... He wants to bury his father, which was a firmly held traditional obligation for a son to do. And in response, Jesus says, let the dead bury the dead. Meaning, perhaps, let the spiritually dead bury the physically dead. And another says, another says I will follow you, Lord, but let, let me first say farewell to those at my home. And Jesus says to him, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Perhaps meaning that Jesus, following Jesus requires one's full attention and commitment. And I have never furrowed, furrowed, or plowed a furrow, uh, but I read that it requires uninterrupted attention to, to plow a straight furrow. And then another person says, I will follow you anywhere. And Jesus says, foxes have their holes and the birds of the air have their nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Perhaps meaning following Jesus is not the way of uncertainty and safety and is instead the way of uncertainty, ambiguity, and insecurity. So in short, Jesus is saying that following him demands our whole being. There is no going back. There's no turning around. And it doesn't guarantee our safety or certainty. You know, Jesus shows us by his life, by his example, a way of life. And in fact, the early Christian movement was known as the way. It was known as the way. And so it is no accident that, is Jesus, is, that Jesus is shown on the way. He is on the road. He is on the way to Jerusalem, teaching about the demands of discipleship, of following in, in his way. A way that Jesus calls us to follow. Even if we have at some point in our past already responded to his call, Jesus still continues to call us further and deeper into his way of life. And you know, we all kind of resist. We all make excuses. We all desire the, the safety of our cozy foxholes and our comfortable nests. We all seek to hold on to the past. Uh, we all may be just right, waiting for the right moment to act. But Jesus says, follow me. I'm going to deviate a little bit from what I usually do and talk a little bit about myself in a, a period of my life. I don't normally like to hold up myself as an example of anything. Uh, but back in the mid-1990s, 
I was a young adult, 24, 25 years old. Uh, had been to college, sort of a misspent youth uh, time period. Uh, I was kind of, I was working for Travis County, didn't go to church, didn't really know what I believed, and just was a, was a semi-lost young adult. But, and so I tried out different churches, I tried out a few different denominations, and I just, I knew that what was missing from my life was God, and I didn't quite know where to find it. And so finally, I had the realization, well, why don't you just go back to the Episcopal Church of your youth? I grew up in the church, Cradle Episcopalian, active family while I was growing up. Uh, well, one day I finally decided that, you know, I'm going to call, I went to St. David's Episcopal Church in Austin a few times, and finally in, uh, let's see, I think it was probably April or May of 1996, I decided that, you know, I'm just going to, I'm going to do something. So I, I decided I'd call up the young priest at St. David's and see if I could, well, actually, I, I just dropped by the church thinking that priests just sit around in their office reading most of the day. Uh, that's not what we do. Uh, so I dropped by and waited around until he finished an appointment and met with Chris Beely, uh, the Reverend Chris Beely. And one thing leads to another. A week later, I'm on a young adults retreat uh, at Camp Champions outside of Austin. And well, everything else follows from that. Marriage, uh, children, seminary, priesthood, all that leads to here. And you know, sometimes you just have to move to start. Uh, one of the most important people in my spiritual journey, besides the people I actually know in my life, uh, is Thomas Merton, which many of you are aware that I have a, a fondness for him and his work. And Merton says, for each of us there is only one thing necessary, and that is to fulfill our destiny. That is to fulfill our destiny according to God's will, to be what God wants us to be. And the thing Merton says that God wants us to be is ourselves. Ourselves in Christ so that we can manifest God's love in the world. He says that when we are ourselves in Christ, we'll experience gratitude, confidence, and freedom. These are the signs that we have answered his call and are living up to it. So if we want to know whether we are on the way, we may identify, well, being uncomfortable from time to time is one indication that we are following in Jesus' way. And other indications are that we experience gratitude, confidence, and freedom. These are the signs that we have answered Jesus' call and are living up to it. On the road to Jerusalem, Jesus calls those people to follow him so that they may fulfill their destiny, but God called them to be themselves in Christ. Jesus makes that same call to us. And as we follow him on the way, may we discover him as the way, the truth, and the life. Amen.